Hello, and welcome to the Table and Well podcast. I'm Tennyson. And I'm Janelle. Thank you for joining us as we discuss topics and give practical tools that help you live, grow, and be in healthy, joy-filled relationship with God, yourself, and others. For more information and resources, or if you're looking for coaching, connection, and community, please visit tableandwellco.com. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the Table and Well podcast. This is episode number 36. We are so excited that you're here with us today. And as always, please feel free to download and subscribe our podcast on your favorite listening platform. And again, just want to let you know that the registration for our fall collabs is now open. Um, Again, our collabs are an eight week relational growth intensive that are packed with skills and practices that will help you grow and live more relationally healthy with God, yourself and others. For more information or to register, go to tableandwellco.com forward slash collabs. Again, that's tableandwellco.com forward slash collabs. So today we are going to continue on with our series called The half Brain Church, How the Church Has Lost Its Ever-Loving Mind. Again, this is derived from the book called The Other Half of Church that was written by Michael Hendricks and Jim Wilder. And as always, we're honored to bring you just the conversations that Janelle and I are having as we are talking through this book. So to date, we have talked about joy, which is defined as the experience of knowing that someone is glad to be with you no matter what. We've talked about Hesed, which is that sticky love. It's that deep connection and attachment that you have to someone um, that God has to us, that we have to others, that we have to him. And we're going to continue this discussion today and start a new topic. And we're going to be talking about group identity and what part that plays in the other half of church. Um, Because ultimately the goal here is for us to have a whole brain Christianity and whole brained relationships, whole brain community and group identity plays a huge part in that. So some of the things that we'll talk about through this topic will be like basically what is group identity? We're going to talk about how Jesus created group identity, what that looked like in the Bible. So another thing that you will hear us talking about um, as we talk through this topic of group identity is shallow group identity and toxic group identity. Um, I love this conversation. It's going to be in an upcoming podcast, but you're going to hear really what is shallow and toxic group identity, how it can happen, really how easily it can happen, and the dangers of toxic and group identity. I promise you, you do not want to miss that episode. So again, we are excited to bring you the beginning of our conversation on group identity. Okay, so today we're going to talk about group identity. Okay. And talk about the dynamics of how group identity really does affect who we are as people. Absolutely. Okay. We don't think about it here in America because culture says we're individuals. I know. It's all about how unique we are, how Mm -hmm. special we are, how we bring something unique to the world, which we do. Mm Mm-hmm. Which we do. But... That's not the end-all, be-all. And we're really missing a huge aspect of who we are when we only value us as individuals. And we forget that there is a whole group identity that comes into play that allows us to truly be whole. So let's talk about group identity as a definition. Like, what in the world do we even mean by group identity? So really, two questions come to mind when we talk about group Mm -hmm. identity. And we're asking this at a very subconscious level constantly because it's how we were created yeah 
we don't give it much attention because we don't consciously think about it. Don't really think it. about it, yeah, at all. And we talked about this in other podcasts that we teach on is that when you walk in a room, you're looking for how you belong. And so constantly we're asking ourselves, who are my people? Okay. And what is it like for them to act? Which sounds like a really funny phrase, uh-huh. but it directly affects how it's like for us to act. Very true. Yeah. So I was actually even talking to my cousin the other day and we were talking about how she's like, oh my gosh, the older I get, the more I act like my dad, you know? And, <laughs> and I'm like, I relate to that yeah. because it is how it was like for our people to act. Yeah. And, and we do this without thinking about it. And oftentimes when we do think about it, we're like, dang it, I don't, right, right, I don't right. like that. But it is how we were created. So mm-hmm. God's intention when he created us was not for us to be cast out of the garden. Yeah. It was actually to come and for him to dwell among us and for us to be a people together. That's why he said it's not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. And yet we've created this very alone identity for us on this earth. Yeah. As if my identity is all about my aloneness and my oneness and my uniqueness. That's so true. We never... We very rarely, if ever, think about until we get to those places, like you said, you had a conversation with your cousin of how our group of people that we're attached to, that we belong to, that we love, mm-hmm. truly affects our identity. Yeah. And truly affects who we are and how we walk out every day. Right. And I've even challenged the thought of who we love because, like it or not, it really is about who we belong to Mm -hmm. and who we're attached to. And so sometimes we're attached to people that are not very kind. We may be attached to very unhealthy parents, or we may be attached to an unhealthy boyfriend or girlfriend and, or an unhealthy set of friends. And we become like them in ways that aren't truly fully us and mm-hmm. aren't healthy versions of us, yet we begin to mimic because that's the way we were created. Yeah, we were created to mimic. We were created to have, well, actually not created, but we do have these mirror neurons that are in our brain that you literally see what's happening around you and you mimic what you see. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because that's so subconscious. I mean, you said that earlier, but even you know, 40 years later, you're doing things that your parents did or you're saying things that your parents said Mm -hmm. and you're like, where did that even come from? Right. And it's because it's, we're mimicking what we saw. We're mimicking what we heard. We're, Mm -hmm. it's the people that we were attached to. Yeah. And that could be everything from mannerisms to the way that we look at life to the opinions that we have about things. Um, It's funny because, because my kids don't look a ton like me, I don't think. Uh, they, they definitely, do. they do, but they don't yeah. in the way that they have a lot of your features. Yeah. But a lot of people will say, gosh, Olivia looks a lot like you. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is she has a lot of my mannerisms. Yep. Facial expressions, mm-hmm. mannerisms, um, head you, tilts, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so we just, we are biologically created by the Lord to belong in a group and mm-hmm. to pick up from a group and to find our identity in a group, not just by ourselves. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about how can we do that on purpose? What does it look like to be aware of, of the need for group identity? Yeah. And what does it look like for us to actually choose in instead of it kind of happening to us? So group identity is not a common term that you will hear in church. Or that yeah. you'll hear in communities, even like yeah. we never we never hear that. We don't hear anybody 
from the pulpit or from a pastor or anybody saying, hey, we have a group identity of this. Right. And and I think sometimes that derives from because what you do hear a lot of is when we take it from uh, Philippians 2.12, where it says, work out your own salvation. Right. Like yours. Like yours. You're, you, all by your little self. Yeah, Go work, figure it out. Yeah, work it out. Work it out. Mm-hmm. But I think that's interesting because as, as we've been preparing for this and, and talking through this, I started looking at that and then realized that, okay, that's in Philippians. So Paul is actually writing to the church of Philippi. He's writing to a group of people. He's not right. writing to an individual. Yeah, he wasn't just writing to John at Philippi. Yeah. Right, he was writing to the church at Philippi. Right. And so that huh. that statement of work out your own salvation, what if that was actually a group message and not an individual message? What if that was a, a message to the group that says, as a group, work out your salvation? Figure this out together. Yeah. Walk this out together. Ooh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah, but that's not fun though. No. Like who wants to have to work things out together? <laughs> That's a mess. Right? Yeah, that's it's, way messier yeah. because what happens if what I think is valuable in salvation and what you think is valuable in salvation is different? Mm-hmm. Like we like group identity when we all... <laughs> when we agree. Uh, agree, right. Or yeah. when we all think the same thing. But when we don't, this gets a lot trickier. Yeah. And so group identity really is a dynamic conversation. It's not a like one size fits all, like just go build good group identity and you're going to be okay. Right. But this is built all around us, whether we want it to be or not. Absolutely. And it's done, it's being done by culture. Yeah. Culture is one giant group identity. So, well, yeah. I mean, just look at, look at Facebook, look at Mm -hmm. TikTok, look at Mm -hmm. um, Instagram, Mm -hmm. all those things out there, anything. Yeah. And oftentimes it's, kind of circled around activities that we enjoy or things that we like. Like I always joke about like yoga moms or soccer moms. Um, you know, they all end up kind of having a look about them mm-hmm. or clothes that they wear or things that they enjoy. Or you might have people who are, I follow an uh, full-time RV traveling group, you know, <laughs> and it's like they all have things that become in common because there's a group identity that's built yeah. based on common experience often. Yeah. I- I- it's interesting, too, because I think the world actually understands this concept better than we do in the church. Oh, absolutely. Because, because group identity plays a crucial part in your transformation or in change or in anything, in changing your mind, changing how you think, um, assimilating people to think the same thing, to right. dress the same way. And so... Well, commercials. Commercials that's, that's are, <laughs> yeah. are all about creating group identity. Mm-hmm. It's all about think like this because everybody else thinks like this right so or you're cool if you think, think like, like that this like the mac and the pc commercials you oh, know yeah. like <laughs> when you know like oh i'm a mac and i'm a pc and so there's a different demographic that they're pulling from and mm-hmm. saying well you're this way if you're a mac user and you're this way if you're a pc user and it like creates one to look better than the other and it creates a group identity like if i'm an apple person right then i am then i'm an apple person and that has an identity about it Mm -hmm. and if i'm a pc person then it has an identity about it so it's being created all around us but what's really interesting that we've lost in the church is that christians Mm -hmm. have unfortunately Mm -hmm. now created Mm -hmm. i don't think intentionally yeah a not so great group identity. Yeah. Let's be honest. Like even us as Christians sometimes don't want to belong to Christians. Right. 
because there's a group identity that's been identified by the world, even by us, by the Christians, yeah, yeah, you know, groups that we've we've encountered that it's like, ooh, I don't want to be identified, yeah. don't associate with like that. that, yeah, because the idea of a group identity is that some people belong and some people don't, mm-hmm. right? But if we think about how Jesus modeled group identity when he came, mm-hmm. that's a completely different thought of, well, we're PC users and <laughs> you're Apple you're, users. You're Apple users. Yeah. It's a completely different thought, although he did definitely draw some differentiations. Absolutely. I think he came, though, to he reframed the group identity. Mm-hmm. He reframed what it meant to be followers of Christ, to be followers of God. He he didn't, again, like he said, he came to fulfill the law. Right. Or not to get rid of the law, but let the law be fulfilled through him. And so he didn't come to get rid of it or create a new, quote-unquote, identity. But it was like, okay, yep, this this identity, this is, we're, we're, we're on the right track. Yeah. But we need to reframe this. Yeah. And look at it from this direction and look at it like this. This is what it is for followers of Christ to act like. Yeah. Yeah, because there was definitely a sect of people when Jesus came to the earth that were all about group identity. Mm -hmm. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had their own group identities and they were determined, this is who we are and this is how it is like for us to act. Right. And if you don't act like us, then we're going to report you to whoever. Right. Yeah. We're watching The Chosen. (laughs) And and this group identity totally came into play in the last episode of this season. And there's a there's a group identity that did exist, but Jesus came to rewrite it in such a revolutionary way, it kind of turned everybody's thoughts upside down. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, hang on, wait a second. In the, We're used to having these creeds. We're used to having these things yeah. that are written down that are like, mm-hmm. these are the things that we believe, and this is what makes us who we are. And if right. you don't believe these things, then you don't belong to us, or we're not in agreement. Right. And we do this still today. Yeah, we do. We. It's I'll, like the first way we start a church. You know? Right. It's <laughs> like, what do you believe? And that's what a creed is. Yeah. So just understand that. So the definition of a creed is basically you're answering a question of what do we believe? Right. Or what is it that is true? What do we believe to be true? To be true. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily equate to who we are. Correct. Nor does it equate to how is it like for us to act. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about how is it like for us to act, we're not saying these these are the rights and wrongs of of us. Right. Although there that can come into play, but it's not about that in the way that here's a list. Mm -hmm. Now go do that if you want to belong. Right. No. No. Group identity much more is about come be with us and by being with us you become like us yeah so when we create as christians this culture of you can't come be with us mm-hmm. until you're like us yeah we have a little bit of a problem. a problem yeah because that's not the way jesus approached it not at all he was like oh you're probably the least like me yeah right so now. come come, <laughs> come be like me come be with me and learn who we are yeah Learn how it is like for us to act. I think even so, when we talk about group identity too, there's always a who are we identifying to? Mm, interesting. What do you mean by that? So, what I mean by that is so Jesus came, created a new identity, and said, This is what it is like for us to how it is for my people to act. But he, but ultimately, what he was saying was, This is how I act. Mm. So, come be like me. Yeah. 
and this and I am your identity. Yes, and he was able to say that because he was he was reflecting the father. Correct. And that's where things can go south in communities and churches and businesses and everything because we've lost focus of who are we actually trying to be like? Who 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 are we identifying to? Wow, that's steep. You know. Yeah, cuz it's interesting cuz Paul himself said Follow me as I as I follow Christ. Yes. So, but he had the guts to say, "No, no, I'm worth following. Mm-hmm. I'm worth following." Mm-hmm. And he was right. And so we end up in this weird, huh, kind of broken space in the church in the way that we're like, "Oh, we don't want to follow any man," <laughs> right? right? Yep. Because a lot of times the people who are like, "Oh, follow me," I've got it all, are also saying, "I've got it all figured out," you right. know. And then, and they're usually unhealthy, and they're usually kind of heading on a on a not so healthy path. They're just more focused on how many people can they get to follow, follow them. them, right? Versus saying, "No, no, no, I've done the hard, deep work, and mm-hmm. I don't have all the answers, but I am. My eyes are focused on Him, yeah. and I'm and I'm willing to lead out a way that I don't have all the answers to, but I'm willing to day by day figure it out." With him yeah. and with us together. Yeah. And, and not even like follow me because I'm, I'm something. The, I'm something, right? Yeah. Like I'm the best one in the room, but follow me because I have the courage to at least say, I'm willing to, to walk this path out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, and it goes back to that the last few things that you've been talking about, the different topics about joy and, and them living and creating atmospheres of joy and then being in that joy and then the hesed of the connection and the attachment and them like, pouring into that mm-hmm. and then it then that's where the group once those things are settled and set and in and, and practice and growing because it's never going to be perfect mm-hmm. but then it's like okay let's create a group identity around those things that's good yeah so key ingredients being joy mm-hmm. and hesed or attachment yeah an attachment attachment sticky love yeah that i'm glad to be with you no matter what no matter what that enduring kind of yes. love of I'm going to continue to show up for you and we're going to figure this out together. Yeah, because those are attributes of Jesus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't come. I always love this because we we teach in the church so backwards to the way Jesus Mm -hmm. did it because he never came and said, okay, here's all the things to do Mm -hmm. and I'm out, you know? Well, think about about this. I was thinking about this too because we say this. Jesus came to create a new, he reframed again, the group identity or the, the followers of Christ, followers of Jesus, followers of God. So he came to create a new way and show us a new way to live, a new way to act, a new way to love, a new way to do those things. And so that is, but he did that by getting in the trenches. Because if you think about it, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and all those people, it literally was, well, oh, you healed on the Sabbath or you did this on the Sabbath or you did this or you said this or you didn't do this and it was like so you cannot belong to us it was literally peace out right yeah you cannot belong to us because you don't follow the the edicts that we have placed the creeds that we believe and mm-hmm. so therefore you are not one of us and Jesus was one of them the whole time yes, he was. but he's like you don't understand you're missing a key the, ingredient what, and group identity really is about family. Yeah. Because this is where it starts. That's that, yep. right. Like part of what we've got upside down in this world and even in the church itself and in the Christian culture is that we've forgotten that the family is where it starts. Yep. 
So if the group identity in my family is healthy and whole Mm -hmm. and we know who we are Mm -hmm. and how it is like for us to act because we're following him and we have healthy moms and dads Mm -hmm. who are following him and getting their direction from him. Mm -hmm. Because in a situation where you have a mom and a dad and you have children, it's a very easy dynamic of follow me as I follow him. Like no parent would apologize to their child and say, no healthy parent would say, you know, like, uh, yeah, don't follow my example at all. (laughs) Except for, it's funny because I wrote on our notes because it came to mind, my dad would often say, don't do as I do, do as I say. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like that How was kind of... How many parents have said that? Right, right. That's kind of like the old school way of saying, yeah, uh, I kind of screwed up a lot, but um, but go ahead and do, you know, like, but I want you to do what I'm saying. Yeah. Don't follow my example, do what I'm saying. And that's right. why it doesn't work, uh-huh. right? Because? Because group identity is... Dad, I don't, it doesn't really matter what you say to me. It really does matter. Like, I'm going to do what you're doing. I'm yeah. just going to. I am. We don't have any conscious thought of that. None. But no. if we understood parenting in that way and we understood that our children will become us, mm-hmm. then that changes the game. Yeah. We do so much work trying to manage and control our kids' behaviors while we're off like acting a fool or not addressing our own growth and right. healing. Whereas if we address our own growth and healing, then that will automatically create an identity for our children that is healthier yep. and stronger. Yes. And it, it it literally will affect everything that mm-hmm. your children do because they're they're watching you. Yeah, they they're are watching us. Mm-hmm. And again, we learn and we and we are designed to mimic what we see. Right. Not what we hear. Yeah. And mimic sounds like it's so funny when you say it. I'm like, oh, but it's not that simple because it sounds so robotic. Yeah. But it's not. It's not. We're just people who we were created with that be like feature Mm -hmm. because that's the way God created us to be so that we would because we're created in his image. Yes. So we have this be like like within us because he's like, I created people who are like me Mm -hmm. and who mirror who I am, but we also have that ability to reflect one another as much as we have the ability to reflect him on this earth. We have the ability to reflect one another Mm -hmm. and draw from the reflections of him and from each other. Yeah. So uh, it makes this world messy because sin has been introduced. Mm -hmm. And we all have different thoughts and opinions and and whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. but it's messy for those reasons, it's also messy because we have, I think we have forgotten who are we actually trying to be like. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And who are we and who how is it we? like for us to act? Yeah. That's so I mean, good. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's a subconscious thing. We mentioned it in a different podcast, but that relational side of our brain is always doing that. Mm-hmm. Every situation, every moment you walk into, those two questions are being asked. Mm-hmm. Who am I and who, what is it like for my people to act? Consistent, constantly processing. Constantly processing in this moment, in yeah. this moment, in this moment. You've been listening to the Table and Well podcast. New episodes stream every Tuesday. Please subscribe on your favorite streaming service.